0: Welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode in the life of Daniel. Today, we cover the end of Belshazzar's life. He was the king in Babylon. Um, Last time we talked about the book of Daniel, we covered Daniel chapter 8. And it was well Belshazzar was king, and we kind of learn why Daniel had some time during these king 's reigns to um, to have these visions and these dreams, why god was was able to talk to him because he wasn 't really involved in politics at that time. So we go back to Daniel chapter five and we see how Daniel gets called back into politics at the last minute during belshazzar's reign, and we find out what happens to him and the rest of Babylon as Cyrus. Um, And and Darius and and, um, these these people from Media Persia come and are trying to destroy Babylon. So, here is my study on Daniel chapter 5. Today, we are going to continue our series on the book of Daniel. Now, if you recall, last time we finished Daniel chapter 8. This was a dream where Daniel was having a vision and foretold the future, covered a lot of the same territory as Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. And you recall that Belshazzar was king during the time Daniel had this dream in Daniel 8. Today, we are going to go to Daniel chapter 5. Now, you may be wondering, why are we going to Daniel chapter 5 after we finish Daniel chapter 8? But if you recall, we're going through the book of Daniel chronologically, which means we're not going numerically. And Daniel chapter 5 happens at the end of Belshazzar's life. So, Daniel chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, open them up. If you don't have your Bible or you're in the car, keep your eyes on the road and we will go through this together. So Daniel chapter 5 and verse 1. Some years after Nebuchadnezzar died, his son-in-law Nabonidus became king. Later, he made his son Belshazzar co-ruler. While his father was away, Belshazzar held a New Year's banquet to which he invited a thousand nobles and leaders of Babylon. They celebrated and drank all night. All right. So, a lot, a lot is being said in that one paragraph. Now, it's only been 23 years since Nebuchadnezzar died. Now, you remember the last time we heard from Nebuchadnezzar was in Daniel chapter 4. We have his testimony, the letter he writes to his kingdom, telling them how the God of heaven converted him. He died. 23 years later, we have this story. Now, this is October 12 in 539 B.C., and belshazzar decided to hold this new year's banquet for the uh, all these lords and civic leaders and, and royalty in babylon now during the 23 years that nebuchadnezzar had been gone he had been succeeded by a series of incompetent rulers Now, his son, Evil Merodach, hadn't amounted to much and had been assassinated by his brother-in-law after two years on the throne. It's pretty bad when you can't trust your brother-in-law. But the brother-in-law had died only four years later, leaving a minor son. Conspirators had then assassinated the boy king and appointed one of themselves, Nabonidus, as his successor. Now, Nabonidus ended up marrying or was married to the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar. So, he was also Nebuchadnezzar's son-in-law. Now, six years after becoming king, Nabonidus decided to leave. He he felt a calling to the priesthood, to ministry, whatever you want to call it. He had very little interest in being king. So he transferred his headquarters from Babylon to the distant oasis of Timah in Arabia, and he entrusted the kingdom to his son, Belshazzar, and devoted himself avidly to the worship of the moon god, Sin, instead of to the Babylonian patron god, Marduk. This is very interesting. So, he kind of leaves the Babylonian religion and pursues this other religion, worshiping the moon god, and he basically, for ten years, he just disappeared. He had his absence, and... He, you know, because of his absence, had failed to celebrate the popular New Year's festival in Babylon. Now, during his his time away, Belshazzar was having free reign of the kingdom, and during this time of kind of weakness in Babylon, we have Cyrus the Great, the Persian king, he begins to rise, and he comes after Babylon. Now, Nabonidus, alarmed at the at the buildup of the Persian Empire, returns from Tema to Babylon in 540 BC, so this is the year before the Great Feast, and he decides to celebrate the New Year's Festival in fine style, but he <laughs> ended up arguing theology with the high priests, and... It was too late anyway to gain any kind of support. And so, shortly after that, he ends up meeting the forces of Cyrus, and Nabonidus' own army rebels against him. And on October 10, 539 BC, Nabonidus had surrendered Separ, which is only 50 miles north of Babylon, without a fight, and fled south to hide. Now, meanwhile, a military detachment led by Darius, the Mede, had proceeded rapidly south and arrived at the walls of Babylon. So this was the, the grim outlook that Belshazzar is facing here in Babylon. And what does he do? He throws a feast because Babylon was untakeable. It had thick walls, high walls. The river ran right through it. They had gardens inside. It was a fortress. And it was undefeatable, (laughs) just as the Titanic was unsinkable. So, let's see, what happens now as they're celebrating and drinking? During the celebration, we're in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 2. During the celebration, Belshazzar ordered his guards to bring in the gold and silver cups which his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He did this so that he, his officials, his wives and mistresses could drink from them in glory in the power of Babylon. When the golden cups from the temple in Jerusalem were brought in, the king, his officials, his wives and mistresses drank from them. As they drank, they praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Now, something that I have learned by reading the Bible is you never want to defy the God of heaven. It's bad things usually happen. And in this case, they did as well. Verse five, suddenly a human hand appeared and with its finger began writing on the plaster of the wall opposite the lampstands. The king and his guests watched in terror as the hand wrote, his face paled, his knees weakened and knocked together. And he began to tremble. When the king found his voice, he shouted for someone to get the astrologers, fortune tellers, and priests, and bring them in at once. After they arrived, the king said, Anyone who can read the handwriting on the wall and tell me what it means will be dressed in royal purple, wear the gold chain of authority around his neck and be third in the line of power in the kingdom, after my father and me. The royal advisors studied the writing on the wall, but not one of them could read it or tell the king what it meant. Then the king became even more terrified. His face grew pale and he again started to shake all over. His advisors were frightened because they didn't know what to do either. So you have this picture here, this, (laughs) this hand writes on the wall, this strange writing nobody can read, let alone interpret, obviously spelled doom. That was, that was pretty obvious, but what it said, nobody knew. And so here we have verse 10. When the queen mother heard the New Year's celebration suddenly stop, she came to the banquet room to find out what was the matter. So who was this queen mother? That would have been Nabonidus's wife. And remember, Nabonidus was the son-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar. So Nab- Nabonidus's wife, the queen mother, would have been Nebuchadnezzar's daughter. And so she would have grown up with Daniel. She knew the stories personally of of the amazing man that he was and the friend that he was to the family and to her father. And so she comes in to this celebration. She looks at her son, Belshazzar. It says that she saw the handwriting on the wall and noticed how terrified everyone was. Then she turned to the young king and said, "'May your majesty live forever.'" You don't have to be afraid or perplexed over this. There's someone in Babylon in whom the spirit of the gods lives who can interpret the handwriting for you. During the days of your grandfather, this man was found to have the insight, understanding, and wisdom of the gods, and gave Nebuchadnezzar excellent counsel. Your grandfather put him in charge of the astrologers, fortune tellers, counselors, and those who claim to talk to the dead. He has a keen mind, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, solve riddles, and explain mysteries. This man's name is Daniel. He's also called Belteshazzar. Call him, and he can interpret the writing for you. So, this woman, she knew Daniel. Now, Daniel was not involved in politics, in politics at this time. He was the prime minister of Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar was king. He had served faithfully as second in command. And we assume that he kind of just retired when Nebuchadnezzar died because we don't really hear about him in the tumultuous years after that with with the kings coming and going and and so now we have this new king Belshazzar he's been on the throne for 16 years um well 10 years i guess his father has been on the throne for 16 years but left after 6 years and left the throne to Belshazzar for those last 10 years and you know Daniel's in retirement he's in his 80s at this point um kind of just relaxing, he has time. And and as we've mentioned in previous episodes, this is why God is talking to him at this point, giving him visions and, and, and dreams of his own. And so, we've gone over those in Daniel 7 and 8. So, she says, call him in. Verse 13, Daniel 5, verse 13. So, the king called for Daniel, who came and stood before the king. The king said, are you the Daniel whom my grandfather Nebuchadnezzar brought to Babylon as a Jewish captive? Daniel answered, Yes, I am. Then the king said, I've heard that the spirit of the gods dwells in you and that you've been given insight, understanding, and wisdom in all things. I've brought my counselors, astrologers, and others in to read and interpret the writing that's on the wall over there, but they can't do it. I've heard that you can interpret such mysteries." If you can read that writing and interpret it for me, I will have you dressed in royal purple and give you the gold chain of authority to wear around your neck. I'll make you third in the line of power after my father and me. Then Daniel answered the king, Your majesty, keep your gifts and save your rewards for someone else. I will read the writing and interpret it for you. The Most High God made your grandfather Nebuchadnezzar king and gave him majesty, glory, and great honor. He was so great that people from all nations and languages trembled at his word. People's lives rested totally in his hands. He killed those he wanted to kill and let those live he wanted to live. He honored those he chose to honor and degraded those he chose to degrade. But when he became proud and stubborn, he also became insensitive and was removed from his throne and stripped of his glory. His intelligence was taken away from him and he became like an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle. He slept out in the field with nothing to protect his body from the morning dew This lasted for seven years, until he learned his lesson, that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and sets over them whomever he wants. And you, Belshazzar, are his grandson. You knew all about this, and yet you did not put a check on your own pride. You let it get the best of you to the point that you showed no respect for the God of heaven. You ordered the cups from God's holy temple in Jerusalem to be brought in so that you, your officials, your wives, and mistresses could drink from them. Then you praised your gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, or stone, which can't see, hear, or know anything you're doing. But the God of heaven, who knows everything, who holds your breath in his hands, you insulted and ignored. So Daniel begins by reminding Belshazzar of his grandfather's folly, of how his grandfather had been proud and yet humbled by God. And He tells Belshazzar, you knew all this, yet you let your pride get the best of you. Verse 24. So God sent this hand to write these words on the wall, which say, many, many, tekel, and parson. The interpretation is, many, many. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought them to an end. This word was given twice to let you know for a certainty that it will happen. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales of heaven and found lacking. Parson, your kingdom will be divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So those words are actually Aramaic. Aramaic. And in Aramaic, "mini" means counted or numbered. Tekel means weighed. And parson is the plural of the word perez. And perez in the singular means divided, but in the plural, which is how it was written on the wall, parson, is also the spelling for Persians in Aramaic. So very interesting. We have this idea of divided and given to the Medes and the Persians that Daniel was able to figure out. There in that code on the wall. Well, he gives this message of doom to the king. Verse 29 Then Belshazzar ordered Daniel to be dressed in royal purple and had a gold chain put around his neck. He announced to everyone present that Daniel was now third ruler in Babylon after his father and himself. That same night, after Daniel had left the banquet hall, the Medes and the Persians who had diverted the river Euphrates and were able to slip into the city, surprise the guards, and then kill Belshazzar. Darius the Mede, who was 62 years old, temporarily took the throne and became the new ruler of Babylon. And Cyrus the Persian continued his conquest of the rest of the country. And there you have it, friends, the fall of the undefeatable city of Babylon and the fall of a king who let his pride get away from him and made him defy the God of heaven. Friends, don't let pride get in your way. Don't let it take root in your heart. Remember to stay humble and ask God, just as Daniel did, to take control of your life. What an incredible story in the life of not only our hero, Daniel, but also in the events of the world as we see these um, prophecies that God had given Daniel already being fulfilled. Um, We had Babylon, and now we have moved from, going back to Daniel chapter 2, the head of gold down into the breast and arms of silver. Medo-Persia is now taking over the world. And you just see in that the succession of events. We also see the incredible lesson of pride. And just as it was Nebuchadnezzar's downfall for a while, and and until he was converted, and then um, he became a humble person, we see the same thing in Belshazzar and how it ended up being his ruin. And yet we see the opposite, the humility of Daniel. And I just pray that this has inspired you to embrace a life of humility, just as Daniel had. You can find us online at faith and hope Find links there to subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play, make sure you subscribe. So you get next week's episode, as well as the ones following thank you so much for your support um if if you have a chance rate us five stars give us a review in in any of the platforms whichever one that you listen to and uh, that would be greatly appreciated music was provided by dexter britain under the creative commons license hope you have a wonderful day god bless you and until next week have faith and hope